Hi guys and welcome back to the Cheap Seats. We hope that you are enjoying our championship roster segments and this week we jump into the National Hockey League. That's right, it's the hardest trophy to win in sports, the Stanley Cup. And Rich and I are going to give you our six players that we start for that incredibly crucial, that all-critical Game 7 Stanley Cup Finals game. Who wins the Stanley Cup this week? Me or Rich? As always, we invite you to sit down, grab your favorite beer, grab a dog, invite your friends and family, and we will see you back here right after this in the Cheap Seats. All right, and welcome back to the Cheap Seats, and we are continuing, finally, our championship series. We're going to conclude the championship series, and today we are in the National Hockey League. We are putting our starting lineup out there for a Game 7 in the Stanley Cup Finals. I, of course, and Nathan, I am your franchise backup. With me, as always, is our BP All-Star, Jordan. Say hello, Jordan. Hello, Jordan. Man, now I got to introduce Rich again in a different way. And the armchair quarterback, Rich. Rich, say whatever you want. You don't want me to say whatever I want. There you go. Rich is here. Yeah, try to keep it a little PG. I think we get PG gives us one F-bomb. So save it for a good time. Anyhow, we have done two of these lists already, and I... I keep bringing up that I keep getting grilled for my incredibly terrible baseball list. Hopefully today we can grill Jordan for an incredibly terrible hockey list, and we'll all be even. Have either of you guys taken notes? Are you guys are you guys ready for this? I'm ready. My picks are going to surprise you. I'm sure they are. And as of course, as we get into this, finally, the conference finals have started in the National Hockey League. Um, Dallas and Vegas in the West, and I guess technically they flew everybody out to the West, so even playing in Edmonton are the Lightning and the Islanders. And Rich, I know you watch hockey, and I watch hockey, and Jordan does when we tell him to, but is any of this, is this surprising for you, Dallas and Vegas or Tampa Bay and New York? I would say the Islanders are a bit of a surprise. I didn't think they'd be this far. They're a gutsy team if you've watched some of their games. And even though they got routed in game one, I thought the early goings of that game were just, they just looked like a team that wanted to hang around. Yeah, I, I kind of thought it was going to end up being just like the Flyer series where the Flyers would jump out to like a two-goal lead and then in the third period, here comes the Islanders. Force overtime. They just hang, they hang around. They're a gritty, gritty team. And the Islanders are doing what Vegas is doing, and they're kind of rotating their goalies. They're playing the hot hand. Um, Thomas Grice, the shutout for the Islanders to win the series against the Flyers, and then he gets beat up. Varlamov comes in. He gets more beat up. Vegas, until they won game two, had lost three of their last four games. So to even see them kind of keeping going is is really good. I mean, Leonard has been a crazy story out West and Dallas. I don't know. Do you have a favorite rich for the Stanley cup? You know, I think I said the other week that I thought it'd be nice to see Vegas win it, but Tampa is going to be tough to beat. They just keep look together. 
they just keep coming. They are just rolling right now. So let's get into our teams. If we had to put, you know, six guys on the ice, and let, let's let's Jordan, let's get you, let's let's bring you in and let's get your team out of the way. That way, I can make fun of something for the next twenty minutes. Do you want me to run down all six? Just go straight through. Sure. Okay, so I have I went with three centers. So I have Wayne Gretzky, the great one, as my first center. I mean, he won four cups, so he's got the experience. Then I went with the magnificent one, Mario Lemieux. And then rounding out my centers is Sidney Crosby, who has three Stanley Cups. And then on defense, I went with two defensive guys. I have Nicholas Nicholas Lidstrom and Chris Pronger. And my goalie is Patrick Waugh. It's like it looks like Roy, but I know enough about hockey that it's Waugh. <laughs> <laughs> that, that blew me away as a kid. I can't even lie when they would pronounce his name Patrick Waugh, and I'm like, "But mom, it's an R." <laughs> well, my mom didn't know. Rich can tell you, my mom didn't know shit. She didn't know about hockey. She didn't even know what day of the week it was. Rich, what are your thoughts on Jordan's list? Because it's pretty solid, man. I mean, it's... It is. I mean, you can't go wrong with this team. Really, you can't. Like, he put Hall of Famers, Stanley Cup champions. He, he put them out there. So, all right, Rich. What's your counterpunch to Jordan's list? My counterpunch is I took guys that scored like epic goals in game sevens for their teams. And then I have two guys that have like really good records in game sevens. And then my last guy that I took was more because of a goal that he scored in a championship moment, which might be one of the most epic championship moments. But anyway, at goal, I took... Henrik Lundqvist does the guy 6-1 in Game 7s with an 0-98 goals against. The only time he let up more than two goals is his only loss. Or the only time he gave up more than one goal is his only loss. And he gave up two goals in that game. On the back end, I took Ray Bork because he was just a phenomenal guy. And then, as a surprise, because of a Game 7 goal against the Buffalo Sabres, I took Darius Caps Caps. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, that, that was one of the most epic goals as a Pittsburgh Penguin fan of my yeah. life. Yeah. Like, like, it was his first playoff goal in ever. I mean, the guy had, like, four lifetime goals, I think. It was, it was ridiculous. But he scored it in overtime, game seven. And I just remember the celebration where he was skating as fast as he can to the other end of the ice and a slide down the ice like a little kid and everyone just mauls him. Uh, on the offensive side of things, I took, because of a Rangers versus New Jersey, Game 7, Eastern Conference Finals, Stefan Mateau. I remember you telling me you hated him. I did. I hated that. I wanted New Jersey to win that game so bad. 
just because Messier came out and said, we will win this game. I'm like, oh, New Jersey has to win. And it was just, it was an epic game. And then Mateau came out and scores that little wraparound, ends the game, ends the series. Rangers go on to win the cup. And then I took uh, Justin Williams. I mean, the guy is 8-1 lifetime in Game 7s. His only loss was with the Washington Capitals against the eventual Stanley Cup ch- champions that year, the Pittsburgh Penguins. And my last guy that I took at center, I took him not so much because, like, his Game 7 record is not very hot. But he scored probably one of the most epic goals in hockey history. Like when you're playing hockey and it's a game seven, the game's riding on your stick. And it's two cities first each other, basically. But now this guy scored this goal and in his home country for the gold medal. Like it was just an epic way to finish it. I had Sidney Crosby, all because of the 2010 Olympics. I can't even lie. I watched that game, the 2010 gold medal game, and I I said to myself and whoever else was there, I was like, please, if the United States is going to lose, anybody but Sidney Crosby. Even as a Penguins fan, out anybody but him, please. Anybody but him. Because Ryan Miller was phenomenal in that game for the United States. I want to say it was TJ Oshie who tied the game late. There was just, in my mind, watching, there was no way we were going to lose that game. And I'm like, anybody but Sidney Crosby. And then he just popped off that board and. It, it wasn't even like an epic shot. It was just something simple on the net, and it beat him. But, like, your, your entire country is riding on you. You're in your country playing this championship game. Like, I think that's more pressure than playing a game seven on your home ice. I mean, you win that game, oh, your city's going crazy. But you win the, that game, the entire country is going crazy. Like. There's more pressure there, and I think it was just one of the biggest goals. It, yeah, I can't, I can't argue with that. I cannot. So you ready for this, Rich? You ready for my list? Let me have it. No, I did not put Marc-Andre Fleury in goal. You'll be happy to know that. This How about Patrick Wall? Did you put Patrick Wall? I did not. He was, I think, and, and Rich can, and can attain to this, when I sit down to do anything with hockey, I think it's, for me, for me personally, it's too easy to say guys like Wayne Gretzky, Patrick Waugh, Ray Bork. I've got to find something else. It's too easy for me to pick Sidney Crosby. Sidney Crosby's not on my team either. It's too easy for me as someone who's followed the game as long as I have to pick ridiculous superstars for all five or all six positions. So I'll start with my two youngsters who have not won Stanley Cups. 
I picked for at, in goal. I picked Carey Price, and I think Rich and I are on the same mindset. If there's two goaltenders in the National Hockey League who deserve a Stanley Cup because of the way that they've played in big moments for their teams, Henrik Lundqvist for the Rangers and Carey Price for the Canadians. Those two guys deserve so much better than what they're getting. Agreed. So much better. Carey Price, I watched him, and this happens very routinely where kids will come out of junior hockey at the end of their junior season, and they'll join either a National Hockey League team or they'll get exceptional status to play in the American Hockey League depending on their team. And Carey Price got done with Tri-City in the Western Hockey League um, and joined the Hamilton Bulldogs in 2007. Well, 2006, 2007. And I remember Hershey had already won a cup. They were going back for a second. They get to the finals. And the year before, it was all about Pecorine and the guys that Nashville had in Milwaukee and what a great team. And you can look, Shea Weber was on that team. Jordan Tutu was on that team. There is there are guys who are in the American Hockey League Hall of Fame who were on that team. And all the talk revolved around Pecorino has just been great. Well, when they played Hamilton, it was like, this Carey Price kid is really a hot prospect goaltender. And Hershey averaged 45 shots a game through the five-game series. That's all it took for Hamilton to beat Hershey. 45 shots on goal in that series, and Carey Price was phenomenal. It, it didn't matter. Laterally, he just he, nobody knew he was going to be this good, and to be stuck on a team that's not helping him is almost criminal. The other young player that I took is probably also never going to get a Stanley Cup, at least not where he is. And I took Connor McDavid. This kid is so ridiculously talented. And the flip side of that is he plays with Leon Dreisaitl, who's also ridiculously talented, but the two of them eat up so much cap space. It's going to be hard for them to continue to fill this team in Edmonton. So I'd like to see those two. And I can't even say Carey Price is young because Carey Price is hitting 30s, his early 30s. Connor McDavid's. 22, but I don't want to see Connor McDavid's career get wasted, so I put him on my team, and I surrounded him up front with two of the greatest players in National Hockey League history. I did take Mario Lemieux, because if somebody is going to bring heart and soul and just an absolute will to win a hockey game, Mario is it. And Rich will tell you, from watching in 91 and 92, those two cups... Everything that he's done, to me, there's no better example example of what you want a hockey player to be. And the other forward I took is Mark Messier. I want a leader on this team. Five Stanley Cups. He did it without. He did it with Wayne Gretzky and did it without Wayne Gretzky. And my defenseman. This is where Rich is going to hate me, at least for a minute. The first defenseman that I took, anybody who knows, and even not so much in football, but especially hockey is one of those sports where as soon as the postseason gets here, 
minus a handful of teams, and Tampa Bay this year is one of them, and the 2016 Penguins are another. Teams go from 100 miles an hour playing offense to trying to slow the game down and not give up the opportunity. So the first defenseman I took, and Rich, you can hate me, I took Scott Stevens. I want a guy who's not going, in the same light that you took Ray Bork, or probably Darius Kasparitis, to be honest. I want a guy who's going to come out there, lead my team, and knock your head clean off. And he's going to do it. When other teams are trying to fly, and Scott Stevens is going to do it. And to counter your Ray Bork, I took Rob Blake. Rob Blake could score goals. He did it for Colorado. He did it for L.A. But he can also throw the body. Get mad at me, Rich. Eh. See, I don't hate the Devils. Like, I like the Devils. So, taking Scott Stevens... There's not much of a problem for me, as you would think. Man, was he vicious back in the day, though, when it was legal. When it was legal to hit players. Now you barely touch them sometimes, and it's whistle here, whistle there. I'll tell you what, I watched. I started to watch. I got through most of the first period of the Islanders-Tampa Bay game, game one. And it was like an interference call on Blake Coleman early. After they had already scored, it made it one nothing, Tampa Bay. And it was just kind of like, it, I don't want to say it was a set play off the faceoff, but they win the draw. And I believe it was Kyle Clutterbuck goes to step around Blake Coleman, who just kind of puts his arm into him, and they call him for interference. And they're like, oh, he has to be moving his feet. He just dropped the damn puck. The only guy moving was Clutterbuck. But that whole that whole game kind of felt that way. And and you can say the same thing about the Pittsburgh-Montreal series where there was – it was game one or two where they were just beating each other into the ground and there nothing. And two nights later, it was every little thing. Yeah, like I said, uh... – Officiating has been spotty at best during. It's a, it's almost, you hear it all the time, and it, it goes for any sport where you can call a, a penalty. So baseball, not so much, but baseball does have its, its moments, I think, where certain officials or umpires, I don't know that they want to have the spotlight per se, but... You hear it all the time, where officials don't want to be the reason that a play does or doesn't happen. They don't want to be the deciding factor in the game. Right, and in baseball, there's rules. There's actually rules against that. Like, for the for the umpire, like, I don't know if it's to keep the umpire safe or whatever, but, you're like, in baseball, you're not allowed to argue balls and strikes. Like, the call, the call is the call. Like, that's one of the things that you're not allowed to argue with the umpire about whatever he calls is going to stand even if it was even like if he calls a if the pitch was a ball and he calls it a strike 
it's going to be a strike. Yeah. There's nothing, there's nothing a manager can do about that. Well, and I think they've done a good job in putting instant replay in in certain situations. I think, and the NHL stepped up their game. Let's not, let's not say they did or didn't. But they put in the instant replay rule, and they found out how terrible that was going to go. Or let's not say terrible, but let's, and Rich can attest, we want to say it was Nash, the Nashville series in 2017 with Pittsburgh. They called the goal back in game one, and they spent so much time looking at that review on the one Nashville goal. It was almost like, can we just please do this already? Even though it worked out for Pittsburgh, and I'm happy it did, and they went on and won the series, it was like, we're going to challenge the offsides. And it was almost painstaking watching them try to figure it out. I think the NHL has done a very good job in kind of amending that rule. Yeah, penalty if you don't get it right. Here, I was going to say, now, now you get a, a delay a game penalty if you get it wrong. So if they come down and score and you say, oh, they were off sides, not only did they actually score, but now you're on, now you've got to kill a penalty. Because when it first came out, it was you just lost a timeout, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Or you lost your only timeout. Right. You had to have the timeout to call it, and you would lose it if you had it. Right. So it's just, it'd be just like the NFL. Yeah. Well, when it, when it first came out, it was just like the NFL. I should say. you just lose a timeout if you yep. lost. Yeah. Now the NHL throws the penalty in there. It's, but it works, and it's. They're probably the again. There's a lot of things that other sports do. That get more of the spotlight because it's a more popular sport. Instant replay in baseball. It can be hit or miss. There's time. There's no like like you guys are talking about with with hockey and even in like losing the timeout in football. If you lose a challenge in baseball, there's no penalty. If you if you win, if you win your challenge, you get the opportunity to challenge again. But if you lose it, there's no penalty. Can you challenge again if you lose? Like say you challenge a home run, and it's. Not really, you know, and you win, and you well, and you lose. You think it's a home run, and it turns out it's not. Can you still challenge again? If if you won, if you won the first challenge, or if you lost the first challenge, if you lost it, your challenge. Then you're if, if you lose, if you challenge once and lose, then you're done for the rest of the game. No more challenges. But if you if you would have won that challenge, then you get the opportunity to challenge again. See, I never, I never looked into Major League Baseball's um, instant replay rules like that. I never kind of was like, well. Yeah, I wasn't sure because there was a game, the Pirates first Milwaukee a couple weeks ago. It was the bottom of the ninth, and they threw back the second base and caught the guy going back to second base for the Pirates. And they challenged it. And on the challenge, he was safe. Like, the guy did not get him, but they kept the call as he was out. And on the top half of the 10th, he would hit a three-run home run 
but it was fa- it was clearly foul. Like you could see it on all three angles that they showed, and they challenged it again, and they gave them the challenge, and they still called it a home run. Like even though at all three of these angles, it showed this ball went foul. Yeah, they gave them the, the only run. Re- in the fight. But they the challenged only reason. Times. Yeah, and the only reason they got the opportunity to challenge again is because they won the first one. If they would have, oh, if they, they would have reversed. If they would have reversed the call, oh yeah, true for Pittsburgh. I guess they lost both. Yeah, they lost both. They were saying he was safe, but the official said no, he was definitely out. And then yeah, the whole like, then they should have been challenged both times. I wonder if you get two challenges. I'm not even really 100. You might get two challenges. I just I'm remember really even 100 the rule. I never paid attention to Major League Baseball's instant replay rule enough to know. But I think the NFL made it so clear as to what they were going to do and how they were going to do it. I think everybody just kind of assumed that everybody else was going to follow suit. And let's just put this out there. I know we were talking about our, our hockey roster, our hockey championship rosters, Stanley Cup rosters. The NFL review system is an absolute joke. Absolute terrible. They tried the pass interference thing last year. They're not bringing that back this year because it was ridiculous. I think, again, this is one of those times where quietly behind the scenes, because it's not as popular of a sport, hockey has kind of come in and they said, here's what we're going to do. At the end of the year, what's your feedback? All right, cool. How can we change it? All right, let's do this. Here's the change. How do we like it? Great. Is it working? Okay, what about this? All right, how can we tweak this? Like goalie interference. They've even tweaked the rules for goaltender interference. And that was huge. I mean, Rich can tell you, I mean, how... Big has that been? You just changing it, up. It worked during the playoffs a couple times. Like sometimes you get in on the goalie, like not trying to get in on him, and you knock the puck in, and they're like, "Oh, that's not really a thing." But like two years ago, that that was automatically like goaltender interference. Like, I want to say in game two versus Montreal, Teddy Bluger kind of slid into Carey Price to knock the puck in. In past years, it's right there. It's just innocent or automatic goaltender interference. But this year, like, they let that go. Like, Murray was constantly hit. Like, I don't know how many times Montreal scored goals off of, like, just clipping them just a little bit, getting them off his spot, you know? Yeah, I think they've done a good job of understanding, like, hey, sometimes things are going to happen. You're, there's There's got to be, and I was a goalie. I don't want to get hit as much as the next guy. But I think they've ha- you have to put wiggle room in, especially it's kind of like in baseball with the collisions at home plate. It's going to happen. You don't want it to happen, but – 
and it's not even an integrity of the game kind of thing to say. It's kind of like you have to understand that I'm driving to the net as a hockey player. I'm going to the net hard with the puck. The defenseman's wherever he is. Sometimes that defenseman takes my ability away to avoid contact because he plays his position and takes the lane out or we get tangled up and we go into the net. Now, as the goalie, you don't want to let the goal in, so you stand there and block the shot and get run over. And some, But where's the guy? Sometimes you got to go, well, where's the guy going to go? The defenseman directed him in. It's the same thing, you know, baseball. Now they have the Buster Posey rule. You can't run over the catcher. And there was a point, and I think everybody here can agree, where it was a little egregious with guys running over catchers that go out of their, you know, I want to say go out of their way, but there were definitely guys who could have slid and made the, and, you know, been safe, but said, you know what, I'm running you over. So to clear something up on the challenge in Major League Baseball on the challenge rules, according to Google, it says managers will be allotted one challenge per game, two if the first challenge results in an overturned call. But the crew chief of the umpire of the umpire crew, the crew chief, will be empowered to initiate a review in innings seven or later. So from inning seven on, the crew chief can initiate a challenge. And the umpires can review a home run call at any time during the game. Ah, uh, that explains it for me then. Because both happened from the ninth inning on, and one was a possible home run or not home run. See, good to know. Figured it out. With baseballs, you know, I've seen calls in baseball that, you know, and, and Rich is just talking about this one where it didn't work out and Fortunately, I think we're at a point with most sports where they're understanding that human error is a thing. We can't be perfect. Because I don't know about you guys, but growing up, sometimes the hard call made the game. Like it made, the, I don't want to say made the game worth playing, but it was kind of understood that if you if the call didn't go your way, the call didn't go your way. And now you got to figure it out. Make sense? Yeah. Woo! Rich is out getting crazy. It's that time of day. So... Without much ado, I mean, unless, Rich, you have anything else to say about this Stanley Cup, about your roster? Oh, you know, I think I put two solid defenders out there. A goalie that knows how to win in game sevens. A, a leader who scores the big goals. And, you know, Justin Williams who just wins game sevens. I mean, the fact that he's been in so many is crazy, but... I think I have a fair shot. How do you so think I, I kind of had an idea. We, why don't we do kind of like we did with the NFL? And I mean, I know the NFL doesn't have a game seven, but like it's Super Bowl. Why don't we kind of pick like an MVP? From your team? 
from everybody for from like from everybody's MVP. team. Yeah. All right. So who's your MVP from your team? If your team wins the Stanley Cup, Jordan, who's your MVP? I was going to go with my goalie, Patrick Waugh. He was he has a ninety one percent save percentage, which is pretty good. I mean, if I got the guys that are going to score the goals, I mean, Sidney Crosby, Lemieux, Gretzky, those guys are going to score, but you need somebody on your team who's going to stop the other team from scoring. And I think Patrick Wall would be the guy. I'm trying to find the actual number. If your team would go and win and Patrick Wall would win what they call the Conn Smythe Trophy, which is the playoff MVP, that would be his fourth MVP. And that, again, right three right now is the most of any player. And three is three's the most. Four would just add to it. And I think we lost Rich. Yeah, I think we did. We lost Rich. I was having technical difficulties earlier. Now Rich is having them. It is what it is. We'll finish up without Rich. Rich had a, you know, Rich has a really good team. I like Rich's team. If I had to give a Con Smythe, it's going to be tough. Sidney Crosby already has one. Bork does not. Casparitis never won a Stanley Cup. Um, we're going to try to get Rich back, but I'm talking about his team. Um, Mateau has a cup. Not quite sure. He was not the MVP. I don't remember who the MVP was when the Rangers won. Um, it would be easy to give it to Sidney Crosby or Justin Williams. I think, like you took goalie, I'm pretty sure it would be the same way. I'm pretty sure Henrik Lundqvist would... Probably get it. I mean, he, he does. He plays lights out in those game sevens. Something's up with Rich. We can't get Rich back. Trying to get Rich back. Skype gave him the old boot. Right? It kicked him off. Trying. Uh-oh. Anyhow, we'll go with Henrik Lundqvist. I don't know if Jordan can try getting him back. We can try. Let's see. But, again, and then on my team, I would like to think, you know, I have the two young guys, McDavid and Price, who don't even have Stanley Cups yet. I'd like to... I, I, it's hard for me to say. Messier, great, phenomenal leader. He has his, his own um, award now, his own leadership award. Mario is Mario. Um, Robbie Blake and Scott Stevens, both guys, these guys all have Stanley Cups. I, for the sake of argument, I think that all three of our teams, our goalie would probably end up being our Conn Smythe winner. I think our players want to do with it. There's Rich. Rich is back. We got we got him back. 
technical difficulties kicked me out. See, look at that. We're just talking about your team and how trash it is. Quit turning your mic off. There he goes. I have like 800 people talking behind me. You do. Like I said, we just told we just were talking about your team and how terrible your team is. Uh, you know what? My guys know how to win, so I'm not too worried about it. Like I'm pretty sure I can take both of you. <laughs> we weren't. We, look, we can't even lie. We weren't talking about how trash your team is. We're trying to figure out who your MVP would be. Jordan is going to take Patrick Waugh, who, if Patrick Waugh would win another one, would be four. And ultimately, three is already the record. He would just add to it. And I said, you know, looking at your team, I would like to think Lundquist would probably finally not only get a Stanley Cup, but probably also get that Conn Smythe. But what are your thoughts on your team if they would win a Stanley Cup? Who on your team gets your, gets your Conn Smythe? I mean, it would have to be Lundqvist. Like, there's going to be times where he's going to have to stand on his head going up against people like Mario Lemieux and Wayne Gretzky, Mark Messier. Like, to beat you guys, there's going to be times where he's just going to have to take over the game. See, and that's that's kind of what I said right before you got back in here was even looking at my team, I took the two young guys. I took McDavid. I took Carey Price, two guys that don't have Stanley Cups. And the other four guys, you know, Mario is Mario. Mark Messier has his own leadership award now at the National Hockey League. These guys have won cups. Mario's got two as a player. He's got three as an executive. He's won Summit Series. He's won gold medals. He's won everything. Mark Messier, same thing. These guys, you know, he has four cups with Wayne Gretzky. He has one without. He's got, you know, another one in New York. I mean, this guy just wins. In the same thing, like, in the same breath that you said, our guys are going up against each other. I'm going to have to see Sidney Crosby. I'm going to have to see guys like Justin Williams. We're going to have to see, you know, Mario Lemieux. I think Carey Price is going to have to hands down be my best player in at least two or three of those games of that series before you even get to the game seven. So I think our goalies across the board – are going to have the most pressure. They're going to be the ones that earn this, that earn the con smite. Right, and I think that's interesting because I wanted to bring up a point. And I know we're not Flyers fans, none of us, but young Carter Hart, he's only 22 years old. And like I stated before, I'm not really a huge hockey fan, but with the, the Flyers made the playoffs, they're a local team, so they were on TV. And I was watching this young kid, Carter Hart, and like it just kind of reminds me of like a Juan Soto situation with the with the Nationals. Like he would make a save, and all you would hear from the Flyers fans is like, "Oh my God, he's only 22 years old." This that kind of like Juan Soto when like you, you I don't like you know what I'm saying. Like they would get excited because he's just a young guy, and I guess he'll be with the team for for a while. Carter yeah, Hart. Excuse my one f bomb here. The Flyers are gonna fuck him up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what? I was gonna lead into that, and I'm glad you, you took the f bomb for <laughs> to try to keep something <laughs> PG. But he is. When you look at the history of the Flyers, 
both their their back to back Stanley Cups in the seventies. Bernie Perrant was the MVP twice. A goalie was the MVP for the Flyers twice. You look at that team, and they did have you know all those guys who could throw punches. They had you know Dave Schultz and Rick McLeish, you know Bobby Clark, um, Billy Barber, all these bad bad dudes who would just go out there and you know Reggie Leach. They would just go out there and just stomp on guys and just beat them up, and that's how they won their games. They, they still had guys who could score 20, 30 goals. You know, Bill Barber could still score. Dave Schultz, when he was in juniors, was a 40-goal scorer. He just got to the NHL and realized, holy shit, I'm not the only guy who can score. But when you look at those teams and, they're, you know, the goalie was the MVP, and you move ahead to, in the Flyers' history and you look at, well, who else – after that, I mean, you had Ron Hextall, you had Pelly Lindbergh. Pelly Lindbergh, you know, for those of you who don't know, died in a tragic car accident. He was young, too. I mean, he was probably, he wasn't much older than Carter Hart. Carter Hart, he says, 22. Pelly Lindbergh was probably 23, 24 when he died. He only had, like, two years in the NHL. Was very promising and and unfortunately was in the car accident and died. And it's just one of those things, like, you see where the Flyers and Rich can tell you, there have been goalie after goalie after goalie who have come through there who, if they show promise, they don't show promise fast enough. And they move them along. They had Sergei Bobrovsky, who won Vezina trophies with Columbus. Couldn't win a playoff game, but could be voted the best goaltender in the National Hockey League. And they moved on from him for somebody who was supposed to be a better prospect of Steve Mason, and that obviously worked out. They took Michael Layton to a Stanley Cup. A Michael Layton, who will never play, well, I don't even know if he's officially retired, but Michael Layton, who prior to that, never really hung around the National Hockey League. You had Ron Hextall, who won a Conn Smythe and lost a Stanley Cup Finals to the Oilers. Like, you see the buildup of goalies. Carter Hart is an amazing talent. He's right up there with, you know, with guys like Carey Price, who came in and made an immediate impact for the Canadians. You could say Mark Andre Fleury. He came in and had an impact with the Penguins on a really terrible team. But, like Rich said, how are they going to mismanage this kid? Because either they're going to play him 75 out of 82 games a year and burn him up, or someone's going to get a, a hot young prospect whose curve is a little bit higher than Carter Hart's, and they're going to move away from Carter Hart. Because they've only had three goalies in the system before Carter Hart, who were supposed to be the next guy, and Rich has watched him play. Rich has seen Alex Lyon play in Lehigh Valley against Wilkes-Barre with the Penguins. He's seen oh, now I can't think of his name. The dude that just went to San Diego with Anaheim. Anthony Stolarz. These guys were supposed to be it. They were going to be the next in line. And it just never, it didn't work out. And the, you know, the Flyers just have had this history of burning through goaltenders. Yeah, they set the record three years ago for most goaltenders used in a season. It was like nine. Yeah, it was ridiculous. It was nine. 
and I had I forget who, like all it was, but they just kept burning like through injuries and having to call all these guys up. Lions made it up there. I believe Stolars made it up for a game, and then eventually that's how they found Carter. Goalie all that came junk. through and. I wonder if I could find it. So how exactly does that work in the NHL? Like, I know how the prospect, like, there's the farm system and all that in baseball. I know how that works. Is it, like, the same thing in hockey? Yeah, pretty much. It works absolutely the same way. Guys get drafted and in and out and... I mean, there's leagues below the American League, mainly just one. And if you're stuck there, you're pretty much stuck. And it was eight goaltenders, which was still ridiculous. Anthony Stolarz was one of them. Um, Carter Hart was also a part of that. Alex Lyon, the three guys that I had, that I brought up. Um, the starters for that team at the beginning of the season were Brian Elliott and Michael Neuverth. They also picked up Mike McKenna and Calvin Picard on waivers and traded for Cam Talbot in Edmonton. Eight goaltenders in one season. Gets a little crazy. But we are going to wrap this up. Our MVP goalies, you know, hats off to these guys. Good job, Jordan, for putting a team together. I tried. I, was, I, think I... I was expecting to hear Greg Goldberg. <laughs> You know, something so, crazy. I know a little bit more than just the Mighty Ducks. I know I know enough to get by. Right. Well, let's do it, and hopefully I don't screw this up like I did in the last one. Go to your fridge. Right, Rich? What are we going to grab out of the fridge? <laughs> Go to your fridge and get a beer. Get a dog. Get your favorite seat. And we will see you guys next week in the cheap seats.